This is Truth With Grace, the media ministry of Grace Baptist Church. We're so pleased you've joined us today as we continue our exploration of the truth found in God's Word and the grace of salvation. Pastor Pierre Rosa is preaching from the book of 1 Peter, and today we're in chapter 2. Last week, we started investigating the things that changed when we accepted Christ as our Savior, at least the ones Peter chooses to highlight in his letter to the churches in Asia Minor. We now share in the nature of Christ. That's pretty incredible when you think about it. We surely are not God, nor will we become gods, as some suggest. But we have some of Christ's spiritual DNA in us, now that we are in Christ and He is in us. Today, we'll hear more about our new nature as Christians, the features of the life we now have as imitators of Christ, and we'll discover the sacrifices required of true believers in the second half of today's message from Pastor Pierre. Now we're going to spend the remainder of our time itemizing features of this new nature. First of all, please understand your distinction. We're, all, we're in verse 5. Your distinction in the beginning of the verse. You too as living stone, or you also as living stones. Now, Peter explains the reason why he uses the metaphor living stones. It's because God employs believers as building blocks. He says this, you also as living stones are being built up. Okay, so first of all, your distinction is you're not just living stones by title. There is a function behind that metaphor of your life. You are being built up, the Bible says, as building blocks. And this is the divine project called church. You are part of the universal church. Whether you are a member of this local church or a local church across town, you are a part of the universal church, and therefore you are a building block in this project called church. The Christians of Asia Minor the original readers here, could have concluded, mistakenly, of course, that their lives had no eternal importance. If they believed the lies of their persecutors, you understand that? The Romans would have considered them a cancer to be removed from society. Non-essential, if you will. But the author doesn't want them to be surprised. He says, listen, if you share in the nature of Christ, and Christ has, Christ has been rejected by men, guess what's going to happen to you? Do not expect to be a popular Christian. That is a contradiction of terms. Because if the, they persecuted the living stone, if they have rejected Christ, they will reject you. So do not be surprised, although obviously heartbroken, if your family rejects you. But don't be surprised. A society that rejects Christ also rejects his followers. However, God has a completely different, I would say the opposite perspective, which again is the only one that counts. If God sees the living stone, Jesus Christ, as choice and precious, guess how he sees you, my friend? Choice and precious. We've already seen that he has chosen you before the foundation of the world. You are precious to him. That is your distinction. Even though the world hates you, you are precious to God because God wants to use you for a specific purpose, a specific plan, just like he did with these first century believers. Even though that plan involves, for sure, occasional adversity, occasional hostility, and sometimes fatal adversity, God has not made a mistake. I hope you understand that. God has not made a mistake by placing you where you are right now, in your family, in your society, in your church, or even if it's just for a season. 
He has you exactly in the place where you will be used at maximum potential, maximum productivity for His glory. Now, that's the, the key for us to understand. For His glory, not for your own desires. I don't, I don't know where Christian preachers get this idea that the Christian life is about you. It's not. I don't know where they get this idea that God wants you to be happy and, and, and you know, Jesus is that loving boyfriend who will take you on dates and, and, and give you everything you want. No, Jesus is not a genie in the bottle. He is the living stone and you share in that nature. Your life is not about you. Your life is about Him. God is using you tremendously for His purpose. That is your distinction because He has a plan for you. You are a building block in His construction project. You are being built up, He says. The apostles were, like we are, small living stones placed close to the foundation of this project because they have interacted with Jesus face to face. They have seen the, the risen Lord. So for that reason, they're close to the foundation of that project. And now, church, we stand on their shoulders. We're, we're being built layer upon layer in that project. We stand on their shoulders and we study their teachings rather than coming up with new revelation. Do you understand why it's so crucial and important to you when you hear people say, I have a message from God to you, you run for the door? Unless you say, show me in Scripture where that message is. Because there are no more modern-day apostles. They're done in the process of the construction project. They are part of the foundation stage of the church. And for that reason, they received special gifts, as in to tell people, get up and walk. If there are modern-day apostles that can do that, church, why are they not in Salem Hospital? Paul describes the foundational phase of the church like this in Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 20. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints in our God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So I, I'm not an engineer nor an architect here. But here's a very important question. How many times do you have to lay the foundation? Only once. So the foundation of the church has already been laid. Christ, the cornerstone, the teachings of the apostles, and now we stand on their shoulders and we study what they have written for us. Now, God built the new generations of believers from different nations in that construction project all the way down to you and me. We are building blocks from different nations with different uh, backgrounds, different accents. We look differently. We talk differently. We vote differently. We like different cars. But God customized your place in history and society to fulfill His purpose. Speaking of which, here's another feature of your new nature. Not only I want you to know your distinction, but your designation. Still in verse 5, your designation. Peter now reveals the goal of his, uh, this divine project. He says there's a project. Verse 5, you also living stones being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. That's the purpose. So that's your designation. He presents then the blueprint of this spiritual house, which would have stimulated the Jewish readers among the believers in Asia Minor to think about the temple in Jerusalem. That is immediately what would have occurred to them. And that temple is the dwelling place of God. Listen, even though God does not live in temples built by human hands, according to Acts 7, verse 48, and heaven is His throne and the earth His footstool, according to Isaiah 66, verse 1, God chose to grace humanity with His presence, which means He is not a distant God. That is why Jesus said, you don't have to go over there or over here to worship Him. 
The time is coming that those who worship the Father will do so in the spirit and in truth because God dwells among his people. And because the triune God lives in the hearts of believers, God is here now. You see, we are his house, according to Hebrews 3, verse 6. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. The household of faith, Galatians 6, verse 10. The family of God, 1 John 3, verse 1. Therefore, my dear believer, fellow believer, when you go AWOL, the entire body misses you. The entire construction suffers because you and I are forever joined together by a common faith and by the Holy Spirit. When you go AWOL, we will say, hey, where are you? Where have you been? We miss you. But God placed you here for a reason. Do you think God's placing you somewhere else? Please let us know. Some of us will call you because we care deeply about your place in this construction project. And by the way, a fact of life, some living stones have more rough edges than others, but God is carving and chiseling every one of us. So don't be MIA. Find the body of believers and be involved. And check this out. If this is not the church for you, I will help you find a church that teaches the Bible. Now, I will never, ever tell you to go or recommend to you a church that doesn't preach the Bible. And I'm going to put church in quotation marks here. You're better off joining a fishing club. At least you're not being deceived into thinking that this is a spiritual exercise. So speaking of your responsibilities, here's another feature of your nature. Not only your distinction and your designation, how about your duty? Still in verse 5. You are living stones being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. That's your duty and mine. Okay? Now, the purpose of this metaphorical house, Peter explains, involves action because of the image of living stones here. If he didn't want to convey the idea of action, he would not have used the metaphor of living stones. He would have said just stones or dead stones. The structures made from dead stones are not active. So there's a lot of activity that God expects from us. This is a construction project being done with living stones. Therefore, this, the, the living stones are active and alive. This is what he means in chapter 1, verse 13, when he told his readers, prepare your minds for action. Gird up the loins of your minds. Because if you're a believer in Christ, my friend, God has not called you to sit in church and soak and sour. God has called you to be active God has, has called you to be involved, not to be a consumer of religious services. That's Americanism. That's not Christianity, okay? See, I'm not concerned that uh, this church will never have anything to do. We will always have activities to do. My concern is that we will be busy doing the wrong things. You see, the persecution that the believers in Asia Minor faced could have caused them to be paralyzed. Fear sometimes paralyzes people. That is why Peter says, prepare your minds for action because God has called you for a holy priesthood, which means you have things to do. Prepare your minds for action. Put it in your mind that you have some things that you need to get done because God expects you to do these things. Now, while some people are paralyzed by fear, the other extreme of that is chaotic busyness. We can be busy doing the wrong things. If we spent resources and recruit people here in our church to do what God never called us to do, for example, to entertain our community, then we're not doing what we're supposed to do. God has called us for a holy priesthood, not to be stand-up comedians, not to entertain people, not to advise them on politics, but to tell them to get right with God. That is our duty. 
And again, if we fail to do that, then we lose our distinction. Even though we may call ourselves a church, we look like a church, but we're a counterfeit church. Now, every reborn person here was regenerated to be a priest. That's what Peter says. The purpose of your life is to be a holy priesthood. So you and I are priests, not so much in title as in function, okay? Now, thankfully, you and I don't have to perform bloody animal sacrifices at the altar because Jesus already declared it is finished. And so rather than adding to the work of Christ, which no one can do, we can serve as messengers of God and announce, come and meet the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That is our job as holy priests. He is the Lamb that has been slain from the foundation of the world. In fact, we can use the exact same language that Paul used elsewhere in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 and beg people on behalf of God, be reconciled to God. That is how we will fulfill our duty as holy priesthood. Okay, so we are not mediators between God and man, but a mediatorial aspect of our priesthood is this. We tell people where to find the one mediator between God and man. You see, we are ambassadors of Christ. And the world will not know Jesus unless we faithfully discharge our duties. But church, if we are busy here trying to win the approval of our community, we are wasting our time. We are a holy priesthood, which means God has set us apart for that task. And check this out. Because we are a holy priesthood, He expects from us sacrifices. Thankfully, again, we don't have to slit the throats of animals in the altar, but he does expect sacrifices from us as long as they are spiritual and they are acceptable to God. Isn't that what Peter says here? Part of our duty as a holy priesthood, he said here, is to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, which means, church, that he is the one who calls the shots. Is that clear? He determines how we serve him. You don't tell God, this is how I'm going to serve you, God. No, no, no. It doesn't work like this. He gets to tell us what to do. And pardon my morbid language again here, but you cannot sacrifice without killing. Okay? So you and I have been called by God to serve as holy priests to offer up sacrifices acceptable to God, which means you and I will have to do some killing. And by the way, putting your marriage or your health to death under the excuse you're serving God is not a sacrifice that's acceptable to him. Okay, so let me suggest four items that we can bring to the table, or four animals, as it were, to bring to the table so we can stab them in the heart as a spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God. And the only reason I'm giving you four here is time. Four animals that we need to bring to the altar to offer them as spiritual sacrifices to the Lord. Because again, a sacrifice necessarily means killing something. Animal number one, comfort. One of the biggest hindrances to service to God, comfort. If you expect the Christian life to be comfortable, you will experience, my friend, the greatest frustration of your life. Because our culture worships comfort, we find it hard to slaughter this animal. We don't want to kill it, pastor. We want to cuddle with it. We want to feed it. But my fellow believer, you cannot hold on to comfort on the one hand and embrace Jesus with the other. One of them has to go. And I suggest you hold on to the Lamb of God who abdicated comfort to come and save you. He abdicated the comfort of glory. It's all because of you. Second animal 
to bring to the altar for the sacrifice, convenience. Perhaps the second biggest obstacle to your priestly service and mine. Let me just start with the basics here, okay? Assembly on the Lord's Day already presents an inconvenience to our flesh. It requires setting the alarm to be here early or adjusting your leisure time to be home Saturday night in order to have a decent night of sleep so you can come here and not sleep while I'm preaching. Go beyond that, beyond showing up on Sunday morning, and you're really now inconveniencing the flesh. Example, if you are a preacher or a Bible study leader, you must show up prepared and wrestle with your own limitations during the week. Otherwise, if you show up unprepared here, everybody will notice, and no one will appreciate it. Leading the congregation in music requires sacrificing conveniences. For example, juggling everybody's schedules and being there during the week. Heading the hospitality team, same thing, requires going to the store, buying coffee, preparing cookies, and so forth. You get the picture. You cannot serve Christ without sacrificing convenience. Is that understood? Here's another animal to sacrifice popularity. One of America's most demanding idols, popularity. Now, when you came to Christ, my friend, you joined the uncool team. Did you know that? When you came to faith in Christ, you were telling to the world, I'm a misfit. No matter how many cool, quote-unquote, pastors you see on TV who insist on looking and sounding like a 22-year-old, even though they're 78. There's nothing more pathetic than an old dude trying to sound like a 25-year-old just to connect with the crowd. Act your age, brother. You're mature. People will listen to your maturity, not your skinny jeans. So don't expect to be perceived as sophisticated or even intelligent. Remember, a servant is not greater than his master, John 13, verse 16. So instead, you bring your desire for popularity to the altar and plunge the knife. Another one here. The last one for this list, preferences. You will have to kill that animal. This doesn't mean you shouldn't have goals. No one does that. No one does anything without any goal, at least knowingly. But these goals must align with Christ's preferences, not ours. Do we understand that? So when we're going to serve the Lord, when we're going to offer up sacrifices that are acceptable to God, we need to say, I do not care about my preferences. I care about the preference of the Lord. Otherwise, this is not a sacrifice that is acceptable to Him. We follow the vision of the head of the church, which is Christ, by the way, not me. And church, you have my permission. If I ever tell you, if I ever ask you to follow me in a project that misaligns with his, feel free to come to me and say, no thanks. We're going to stick with what the Bible says. It's very clear. So we, we're never going to allow personal preferences to dictate anything that we do here. Because otherwise, these sacrifices are not acceptable to God. They're never going to drive our operations here at Grace Baptist Church. We've lost people because of that. Praise God. Now, let's discuss the last feature of our new nature revealed in this passage. Besides your distinction, your designation, and your duty, let me tell you about your diligence. The last part of verse 5 here, your diligence. Um, you living stones being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, that's very important for us to understand. Through Jesus Christ. Now, according to Peter... Jesus is the one through whom acceptable sacrifices must be offered. Because anything else, we're offering sacrifices to God through ourselves. That doesn't count. Every one of my selfish acts, and they happen more often than I'd like, every one of them reflects my old nature demanding to be resurrected. 
Remember, I have died with Christ. My life is hidden with Him. I've been crucified with Him. Therefore, every time I'm acting selfishly, that's my old nature demanding to be resurrected. But whenever the opposite happens and I mortify the desires of the flesh, as Paul instructs us to do in Galatians 5 verse 16, instances of selflessness reflect then the fruit of my abiding in Christ. They reflect the fruit of my coming to Him as a living stone. So let me give you examples of sacrifices that God will never accept because they're not offered through Christ, okay? They're offered through our old nature. I'll give you three examples. Number one, when you kill peace in your marriage just to win an argument, that is not a sacrifice that God will ever accept. That's a sacrifice, all right, but you're sacrificing peace in the home, rather than, and that's not a good sacrifice. When you stab forgiveness in the heart just to feed yourself righteousness, that is not a sacrifice that God will ever accept because He commanded you to forgive no matter what, no matter how many times your offender offends you. No matter what he or she has done, you are commanded to forgive. Another one, we plunge the proverbial knife into the heart of church unity by gossiping. So no, no one needs to hear your quote-unquote prayer request if that prayer request is referring to the life of someone who's not in the room. That is not a sacrifice that God will accept. Now, on the other hand, Christ will always receive these because they're done through Him. For example, you sent your ego to death row to pursue peace, unity, and forgiveness in the home, in the church. or You're killing your ego. God accepts that sacrifice. You disregard your own safety for the well-being of your neighbor. God will always accept that sacrifice because that is Christ-like. You're acting like the living stone. Or when you crucify your desire to be served by the church, yes, God will accept that sacrifice because Christ came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The scent of these sacrifices then ascends to heaven as a sweet aroma pleasing to God because they are offered through Christ. And they are performed by people who desire to decrease so that he can increase. Folks who have been reborn and have vacated the throne of their lives to allow the King of Kings to take his rightful place in their lives. And church, in case you're wondering, you sacrifice daily, several times a day. Did you know that? You offer sacrifices to God daily, several times a day, because every yes you say is a no you're saying to something else. Every decision you make for something is another decision you're making against something else. And we are called upon to make sure that these decisions are reflective of offering spiritual sacrifices to God that are acceptable to God through Christ. So the question is, we need to conclude with this, is which set of examples describes your priestly service? Sacrifices offered to God through yourself or through Christ? The persecutors of Asia Minor believers here consider them useless. But Peter reminds them that nothing could be further from the truth because God expects them to work, to be active in the ministry. And God was skillfully molding these living stones to place them in the building of his spiritual house precisely where he wanted them. Likewise, God is doing the same thing to you. He's sanding your rough edges and chiseling you and carving you to place you sovereignly into this construction project as a living stone for a specific purpose. This means, church, that you and I are cemented together, okay? That's the idea. We are cemented together like bricks that cannot be undone. If you try to undo it, one of us is going to get hurt profoundly. 
because we are united, just like we are united with Christ. So what happens when you try to separate two blocks of bricks that have been glued together? The entire structure suffers. So every time we break fellowship, church, we compromise the integrity of the walls and the pillars. But we're going to continue that conversation next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the clarity of your word, Lord. Thank you for the beauty of the text and the reminder from you, Lord, that we are living stones just like Christ is. This text is not about us, Lord, but what an encouragement, Father, to hear from your word that we share the nature of Christ. We are partakers of the divine nature. Lord, thank you that we know that the sharing of nature is limited, Lord, but we are so thankful, so thankful that because Christ lives, we live too. Because he is a living stone, we are also living stones, and we are being built by God the Father into the project called church, Lord. And we rejoice, Lord, in that. We are imperfect living stones. Christ is the perfect living stone. But, Lord, we welcome your work in our hearts, sending us, carving us, molding us, so that our character can more clearly reflect the character of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that we will meditate on these truths this week and we will live accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is radio at gbcsalem.org. Or you can visit our website, truthwithgrace.org, for more information about our church and this media ministry. Plus, we're always looking for people just like you to help us spread the gospel around the world. This broadcast is provided to you at no cost to the generosity of financial and prayer supporters of Truth With Grace. Please feel free to share it, but please don't charge money for it or edit it in any way without the written consent of Grace Baptist Church. Until next time, this is Truth With Grace.